Wow, wow, wow. Thank you, Lord. How many knows to even come to church? Have you ever struggled with, I'm not worthy? <laughs> I'm living with my boyfriend or my girlfriend or haven't been. I, you have to, listen, you have to push back past that shame. You, you, you can't do what our original parents did. When they felt unworthy and ashamed and they, they ran from God. When you feel, and life happens to everyone. When you feel guilty, you feel ashamed, I sh- you know, I'm not good like they are. I want to tell you something in case you don't have this. Go with this from now on. We don't worship God because how good we are. All this energy up here and excitement, we worship God because how good he is. It's all about him. I I don't want you to have the wrong idea that, ooh, you know, Pastor Joe is so angelic. He he lives such a, a sterile life of no, we worship God because how good he is. In fact, when we do feel dirty and unclean and we've done shameful things, that's when we run to church. Just get in your car and get here. Just get here. I tell you what, there is a powerful spirit here today. In the first service, I was sitting there. I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but I started speaking in tongues just quietly to myself. And that doesn't happen to me very often. Usually I like to use English, you know, I like to, I want God to understand what I'm saying. But it was, it was just so powerful. And I, I, I just feel like there's somebody in this room, in this service too, there's healing power in this room. That healing power of the Holy Spirit, if you have an ache or a pain or a need in your body, stretch your hand forward and I'm going to agree with you that that pain is going to be gone in the name of Jesus by his stripes. We are healed. It's not about fancy praying. It's about you receiving it right now. The waters are stirred for your healing. Diabetes cannot stay in your body. In the name of Jesus, we believe you, Lord. Heal us from the very inside, our minds, our hearts, our spirits, our emotions, our bodies. Heal me, Jesus. I receive your healing. Bible says healing is the children's bread. So thank you, Jesus. I feel that today. Feel it here. Let's just claim the whole month of May is uh, is the month of miracles. Believe God for a miracle this month. God bless you. You may be seated. Uh, I told the first service, uh, I'm happy today because there's only three services here. Unlike the last time I was here, we had four services. Landon never told me until I showed up. By the fourth service, I was tired of hearing myself talk. Thank you for this. Uh, Big Ben got me some tea. So I, I feel really cool. I feel like I feel like those you know those guys on TV, those preachers. You know, they got coffee and they're all cool. I don't, I don't drink coffee, but I feel I'm feeling cool right now. So I got I got some nice tea in there. It's a nice touch. Thank you very much. And uh, this is a great building. What a gift from God. This beautiful campus is. Um, But the truth is you can't stay here. It is a beautiful place, a beautiful campus. It's a gift from above. Um, I remember last time we were here, I believe, when my wife was with me. 
Um, I was all done speaking. I went to take my seat, and uh, I just put my arm around my wife, and I said, agree with me. Sometimes you got to say what you want to someone else. So I I put my arm around her, and I was just watching uh, Emily or Landon up here, and I said, I have two prayers. I want you to believe God with me. And we had just seen pictures or uh, of the house. And I said, pray that God just fill that house with babies. <laughs> you know, yeah, we've been praying it a long time. We've been praying for it a long time. But then there's a season that you got to jump in the waters when you feel it. you gotta, you got to step into that season of 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 God answering your prayer. And and look at Mama Emily here. She's expecting. And my and my second prayer was believe with me that God would give them their next building. They can grow. They they they're not gonna be able to grow here very long. They they need that. And so when I went past a building coming up down the highway, I don't know how official it is, but there's a building there for sale. I saw one. And I just didn't like my my Iron Man, you know, prayer. As I went by, I said, Lord, if if it is your will, you know, that would be a good-looking church on the interstate. How cool that would be. You never know what God's going to do. You never know. You just got to be ready, have your shoes on, have your bags packed, be ready to go. Because it seems like it's going to happen suddenly, you know. You wait 10 years, but then it suddenly happens. You got to be ready to go. My, my message say, oh, so I, also this, um, my, I'm, I'm speaking a different, I was going to say this about four services, I'm speaking a different message in the next service we're going to be talking about, uh, the title is whatever. So, <laughs> what are you preaching on? Whatever. But that is the title. Uh, I'm, I'm going to see if you have whatever faith. So, um, but this service, this service is very special. I told the first service, I love coming here. This is a university city, and I, I am forever a student. I, I, I have an addiction. I have this many brand new books. When I see a book, I got to buy it, especially if I've never read it or it's a famous author. So I devour books, and I am, I'm, still, I'm still a student, and I love coming here. It's a university setting, and I know there's academic people in the crowd from teachers to students, and I love that challenge. And so my message today is faith for the thinking man. What happens, and I mentioned this, what happens, especially if you grow up in church, you know, you believe in the resurrection because your mother told you it happened. And you read it in the Bible. But you couldn't formulate a really good argument about that if you were in a setting and had to defend it with a logical explanation. So I'm going to give you the verbiage, I hope, that's very practical and historical that you can hold your own when it comes to a discussion. Did Jesus really rise from the dead? Did, did that really happen? Because if that happens, then it changes everything. Changes the way you live. It changes the way you believe in the afterlife. It changes how you see death. It changes how you live your life. And so um, I, I mentioned this the first service. I remember... Um, our, our, one of our degrees were Texas A&M. We graduated, my wife and I. She has her master's. We uh, got teaching degrees, so we, in case we ever needed to work, uh, we would have some, a way to, to support ourselves. You know, I mean, if the church wasn't 
enough to support us. We were uh, we taught school. And it's a, it's a good thing. It's a good gig. You know, no weekends, no nights, and things like that. So it kind of fits with uh, pastoring. Um, so one of my classes was a world history class. And, I, and on the syllabus, you know, buy this book, buy this book, buy this book. And bring a Bible. Buy a King James Bible was the requirement. I'm like, wow, I'm going to be really interested in this guy. And so we, at, at class, he held up the Bible. He says, everyone buy this. Uh, this, it was like world history and geography kind of class mixed ancient world history. And he says, I'm an atheist, but this Bible, this book right here is the most accurate historical document I've ever read in my life. <laughs> atheist, didn't, didn't believe. He, he, he couldn't get over that bridge at, at that time in his life. I hope he's found the Lord since then. But he said, it's, it's incredible. The geography, the, the uh, document as it is, you can follow, you can take this Bible and go anywhere in the ancient world and it is exact. It's right where it says it was and the people that lived there, the people that lived there before. And so uh, there are people, uh, I, I, I want to help those people. I, I want to help the person that says, yeah, I grew up in church and I believe in the resurrection, but I couldn't, I, I couldn't say, you know, besides... Uh, well, you know, I really believe it. You know, that's great. We have faith, but I think we need to be a little bit more equipped in that. I'm going to show you some historical record uh, that was written down, and it talks about Jesus. It talks about how the Romans read about, they wrote about the Christians, and that's outside of the Bible, that you'll be able to have an argument. But let's start with this scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is uh, our historical document on the resurrection of Jesus. 1 Corinthians 15, Christ died for our sins um, according to the scriptures, and he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. And then after that, he appeared to more than 500 people at one time. He says it. He does his homework. Notice this is a historical account. He actually went and talked to these people. He said some of them are even still alive. Go ask them yourself. And some have died. And then he appeared to James uh, and then to all the apostles. And last of all, to himself, uh, born untimely, he appeared to him. So uh, you can begin with a scripture, but, but we're not going to keep going with scripture. Because what happens, if, especially if you're a non-believer or if your teacher is an atheist or your neighbor's an atheist, they're going to say this, well, I don't believe in the Bible. Uh, I heard, they'll say this, I heard or I read that it was written many years after Jesus was dead. And they are right, and don't let that stop you. 1 Corinthians was written 25 years to 30 years after Jesus died. For a historical document that is priceless. Don't use it as, oh, is that accurate? Don't, don't go there because of this example. How many believe that Alexander the Great actually lived? Why do you believe that? Nothing was ever written about Alexander the Great, not 50 years after his death, not 100 years after his death, not 200 years after his death, not 300 years. The first thing written was 400 years after he was dead and gone. Somebody woke up and says, we better write this down. There's no one to corroborate. There's no witnesses. There's no, no one to talk to. It's passed down generation to generation. But all of us believe he lived. Well, we saw the movie. You know, we, he's, in every, he's in every history book in the United States as if it was actual fact. And it probably was. But so you stand up and say, 
The Bible that we believe is only 25 years and the people who saw Jesus raised from the dead were still alive while it was written. There's your foundation. There's your pushback. So the biggest question people I would ask uh, or they would ask me that I would ask them, how in the world did Jesus convince his brothers and sisters and his friends that he was the Messiah? How did he do that? that they never change their story. You could say miracles and signs and wonders and cast out demons and all of that. And, and that's true, but, but that, that is the biggest thing. That his own mother, how many of you have kids? Have you had any messiahs lately? Think about that. You love all your kids? <laughs> this one's special. His own mother, his own brothers, he was in a blended family. He had a stepfather. He had half-brothers and sisters. And so there are three positions that people take when it comes to believe in the Bible, believe in its accuracy, and trusting in the literal resurrection of Jesus because, again, that changes everything about life and death. So this is the three categories they'll fall in. Number one, it's a legend. You know legend. You know, it grew over time. It, it's like Alexander the Great. It's been, it's been elaborated and we, you know, all that. It kind of grew over time. Yeah, there was probably a guy that lived named Jesus and he did, was a great teacher and he did some stuff. But so a legend, that's one category that, you're, that all of us are in. Or number two, it's a lie. They actually believe, oh yeah, you know, they stole the body to uh, solidify uh, Jesus' words about r rising from the dead and to keep the church going and, you know, all that. They kind of tucked the body away somewhere. So it's a lie that, that it really didn't happen. And the other category is that you can be in, it's the truth. It's either a legend, you're in that category, or it's a lie, or it's the truth. And we're going to, I'm going to, we're, we're going to examine all three of those. So the first one is a legend. How many knows how legends begin? Long ago, far away. There was a guy who lived. His name was Robin Hood. And he had a beef with the sheriff of Nottingham. And you know the story. And uh, did Robin Hood really live? Did, was there a guy who stole from the rich and gave to the poor? Well, there might have been a guy in north uh, of London, 100 miles in Nottingham. There is a real Nottingham. But these legends always buy into the culture. If you're really poor, they make up a story about a guy who steals money from those mean rich people and he gives it all to us because we're poor. It's, it feeds into the culture and that's why these legends have lived on. The hero, we can't save ourselves, so the hero arrives and saves us. Superheroes and uh, Hercules and all these legends arise out of because it feeds into the culture and it, it's a good story. But there's movies made about Robin Hood. Can you take us to Robin Hood's grave? Can you sh tell us who his mother was? Did, did anybody ever meet the guy? Well, no, but my grandfather's grandpappy's grandpappy's grandpappy told me. And then finally someone wrote it down, and finally it turned into a movie, and now books about it, all these things. So how many ever heard of the, I, I mentioned this one, there's several of them, Lady Godiva, how many loves her chocolates? There's an entire company that was started, it's in Switzerland, uh, years ago, founded on this legend of Lady Godiva. The story is that she had a terrible husband. 
He was a bad ruler of the city. He kept raising taxes on people. And so Lady Godiva pleaded with him, don't raise the taxes anymore. And he said, well, I won't. You know, if you stop, leave me alone. And because she kept henpecking him, he said, fine. You get on your horse and ride naked through the city, and I won't raise taxes anymore. What did Lady Godiva do? She got on her beautiful horse, and she rode through the streets naked. And that's the legend of Lady Godiva. Did she ever live? Is that even real? No. But it's a great story. And then on the other uh, legend grew out of that. You might have heard of this guy. Before she rode through the street, she put out an edict that all the shopkeepers must keep their shutters closed. And that gives birth to the next legend, Peeping Tom. Look through the shutters. And that's where the legend of Peep, Peeping Tom came from. So, no, Jesus doesn't fit the long ago, far away story. There's a book written 25 years after his death. A historical account, eyewitnesses, his mother, family, friends knew him, saw him, touched him, ate with him, slept with him. He was real. These legends are not. And then after the, the, uh, the beautiful thing in 1 Corinthians 15, when I read to you, he appeared to James. James is not the apostle. That's James's half-brother. And his half-brother was not a believer. He knew Jesus did miracles, and he, you know, like he's like Elijah but he couldn't get there that he was really the son of God. And so Jesus made a special appearance to his half-brother and said, here I am. From that day on, James ended up dying a martyr's death because he saw Jesus alive and he became a true believer. So on and on. So the, the skeptic uh, uh, gets their answers and uh, James did. He appeared to Doubting Thomas. Uh, Doubting Thomas, what did he say? Unless I put my hand and finger in his hand and my finger in his side. And what did Jesus do? Okay, Tom, here you go. And he fell down on his knees and uh, said, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said, yeah, that's great. Okay, I'm going, I'm going overboard here for you guys. But there's a people coming from Flagstaff, Arizona. He said, there's a scripture there that said, blessed are they who believe and they've never seen me. They're going to take the historical account, the written account, and they're going to believe that. So that's where we are there. Now, number two, is it a lie? Is it a lie? Um, why do people lie? Why have you, has anyone ever lied? Raise your hand. We're going to pray for you other, you liars that didn't raise your hand. You're in church. People lie. We have four kids, all of them liars. Why do they lie? Get out of something. Did you break that? It was broken when we came in the room. Somebody must, a man came in the window, dad, and must have broke that. So they lie um, to, get, to get out of the pain, to get out of a, you ever get pulled over? Ma'am, did you know you were speeding? No. You don't want to lie, but. You know, no, are you sure it was me? That radar didn't bounce off that car beside me. We lie because it benefits us. We, we benefit out of lying, so we get something out of it. It feels good. Wow, I got out of that. Just a little lie. So is it a lie? Did these people go to their deaths, torture, pain, lying? No, people lie when it benefits them. 
if they could get out of pain, if they could get out of torture, they could, they could, they, they could lie. In 19, uh, not 19, in 64 AD, Nero was in charge. Have you ever studied any of Nero? Raise your hand, the great Nero, the Caesar. Well, what he did, uh, I'm going to just brevify this and then I'll put it on the screen. Uh, in, in 64 AD, I mean, yeah, 64 AD, so this is a little bit uh, 60 years after death. The Christians are thriving. The church is thriving. Well, he, he tried to burn this area of town that was probably the projects, as we would say, or, you know, eliminate something. And he started a fire, and it got away from him, and he nearly burned the whole city down. So this is what we're going to pick up in this account. Um, so he hangs it. He said, who can we blame? So he hangs it on this subversive group called Christians. And I'm going to read you this. The reason they were subversive is because he wanted them to pledge their allegiance to Caesar and to Rome. And Christians in the early days refused to pledge allegiance to the country they were in. Many Christians still do this today. They will not pledge allegiance to a king or a kingdom. They only pledge their allegiance to the kingdom of heaven. And it cost them their life. So they were labeled subversive, non-patriotic. He barely burns the whole city down, and I'm going to read you this, but it, you have to really pay attention to catch this. And so what he did, he starts handing out money to all the shop owners and the people who burned their houses and their shops down. You know, something bad happened, so everyone gets a stimulus check. You know, everyone's going to get paid, and that will make them happy with me as their leader. Well, it didn't work, and that's what we're about to read. And the account I'm reading, you can look it up, is Tacitus is his name. Tacitus, a Roman senator and a historian. So we pick it up here. Oh, there he is there. So in his writings, and you can, you, you can read this in any of the uh, ancient books uh, on- online. You can print this out. It starts with this. But all human efforts, all the lavish gifts the emperor bestowed and the propitiations of goods did not banish the sinister b- belief that the fire was the result of an order himself. In other words, people took the money. We know who did it. You did it. You burned the city. So consequently, to get rid of the report, Nero fastened the guilt and afflicted the most exquisite tortures on a class hated for their abominations called Christians by the populace. And there he, you can, he writes his name. This is more evidence that Rome is squashing a movement. The Christian church is growing, and Rome was very good at killing movements. You just round up the leaders of the church, and you kill them, put them on a cross on a hill, kills the movement. The opposite was happening. They were killing the leaders, killing the pastors, killing people, and it was spreading like wildfire. No one was changing their story. Those early Jewish people uh, and and Romans uh, swore that they spoke to Jesus after death, literally for up to 40 days. So let's continue this document. He writes this, Christus, which is Latin for Christ, he speaks of Christ, from whom the name had its origin, suffered the extreme penalty during the reign of Tiberius at the hands of our procurator, Pontius Pilate. Sound familiar? And a most mischievous superstition Uh, Accordingly, an arrest was first made of all who pleaded guilty. Guilty to what? Being a Christian. 
believing in the resurrection. You, you, you could get out if you said, no, I don't believe. So listen to this. Upon their information, an immense multitude was arrested. Not ten guys. Not three ladies. An immense multitude would not change their story and they were arrested. And they were convicted, not so much of the crime of fire in the city, but they were convicted as of hatred against mankind. Nero's hatred. He, he goes on to say this, mockery of every kind was added to their death, covered with the skins of a wild beast, sewn up in cow skin of a dead animal, and they were fed to hungry dogs. They were doomed to the flames and burnt to serve as nightly illumination. This is the hard part here. When daylight had, had expired, you, you can read this for yourself, Nero offered his gardens. Imagine the, the, the big palace, and he has these immense gardens that are just beautiful. But what he did, his immense gardens, the spectacle was an, ex exhibiting a show in the circus while he mingled with a party of people in the dress of a charioteer, which is a chariot driver, and he stood aloft in his car. That's where we get the word car from, chariot. Hence, so what he's doing is he took these people and put them, impaled them on a post, men and ladies, planted them in his garden and lit them on fire while he had a party. Their crime was believing in the resurrection. Believing and never changing their story. Fed to wild animals and taken can you imagine your family, your wife, your children, and planting every night for he would use it for light to illuminate his garden. Hence, he goes on, for the criminals who deserve extreme and exemplary punishment, there arose a feeling of compassion, for it was not as it seemed for the public good, but to glut one man's cruelty that they were being destroyed. Tascus, this Roman historian, 65 A.D. Practical historical evidence that multitudes were put to their death and never changed their story. Being lit alive, fed to hungry dogs while they were alive, watching their children be tortured, killed, imprisoned, murdered, nobody. There is no record, historical document from Tacitus or anybody of anyone ever changing their story. Is it a lie? Do people go through all that because it's a lie? How many believe in uh, 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 visual aids are powerful? A visual, I love visual aids. I'm looking for my sword. Oh, you got a Big Ben? Or just throw it up here. No, I'm just kidding. And I got this in Athens. We were there. This is the kind of swords they were using on in the Colosseums. And, and let, let's make it real, Glenn. Would you come up here? I need a volunteer. Because when you do this, it, it really, you know, I told you that. Just kneel down and face that way. I don't want you to see what I'm going to do. Just relax. It only hurt for a moment. Now, this is a sharp sword. It's a real sword. I'm, I'm going to be careful. But just imagine the Roman soldiers going through town, probably some good men too that hated their job. But in order for Nero, they either do it or it's their life. 
So here, here's Glenn. He's the leader of that church. He's one of the leaders up there in that flag church. Those Christians that won't change their story. They'll change their story now because he's going to do this in front of them. And he takes the sword and puts it right here. Glenn, all you got to do, come on. Glenn, come on. You made it up, didn't you? Made up that foolish story, Jesus rose from the dead. You guys made it up. All you got to do, come on, Glenn, our kids went to school together. All you got to do is say you made it up. Come on, and you go home to a nice warm meal tonight. Didn't change his mind, wouldn't change his mind. So out of frustration, the Romans would say, okay, this is a tough guy. He's not going to change his mind. Is that your wife right there? You love her? How much do you love her? Because I'm going to order that soldier over there, and he's going to take your wife, and he's going to push this sword right through her unless you stop this. You going to change your mind? You got, is that your child? We're going to take that child. We're going to cut her in half with this sword in front of you. And all you got to do is say you made it up. All you got to do is say it never happened. All you got to do is say those guys, they stole the body, they built the story. We understand. But this foolishness has got to stop. Not one of them. There's no record of a man changing his story or a woman for their children's life. Not one. Thank you, Glenn. Aren't you glad the world doesn't react so violently to us anymore? We live in a beautiful day. So we started out, does Jesus fit the legend mold? Is the legend that grew over time? Don't let people get away with that. You got documents. Is it a lie? He's going to let his wife die because of a lie and his child? Those kind of people that don't change their mind are like, I saw him. What more? I saw him. How can I deny him? And once they believed in life after death, they go, you can take, you can kill me, but I'm with Jesus the grave is not the last and final say. The grave can't hold you. You're going to come out of that grave. Change their life. So no, it wasn't a legend. doesn't fit the legend mold. And they surely, practical, without any scripture at all, you could prove by historical documents that number one, Christianity really happened. Christian churches were growing. The Romans tried to kill it to in existence, out of existence, and thousands and thousands. You don't even want to read it. It's so sad and so depressing. What they did to our early forefathers. So, no, it's not a legend. No, it's not a lie. You've got you've to come to a conclusion sometime in your life. It is the truth. It is the truth. And it's worth dying for. It's, it's, it's worth, if this life is over, we, we don't want to rush it, but this, this is not your best life. Your best life hasn't happened yet. Your best life happens when this life is over. Then you really start living your eternal life. See, our hope is beyond this world. Our hope is, what do you do with a bunch of people that are not afraid to die? 
You know, when you're a non-believer, all your eggs are in this basket. You do whatever you can. Oh my goodness, it's the end of the world. You know, No, not for us. Not for us. We believe in the resurrection. We believe in life after death. We believe Jesus is coming again. And the Bible says if that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in your mortal body, it will quicken you. When he comes again, you're going to be glad that you believed. When the rapture happens and you're full of the Holy Ghost, you are going to be glad that you didn't waver, you didn't quit. This is, this is who we are. You need to know when you're called a Christian, you stand up tall. When you walk in that door, you say, thank God we have a church to go to. Jesus died so we could have a church. The least you could do is show up. And when you're part of a church, it changes your attitude when you know the price that was paid for us to have this Bible in this church and this truth. You, you'll stop complaining. But, you know, Before, you were like, I'm quitting church. I ain't never going back there. Why? Well, those girls, you know, they all had a birthday party and didn't invite me. I quit. Tell them I'm never coming back. Really? Really? I don't, I don't know what we've done with this thing called church, but that's not what church is. That's not what, it's not a social club. Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. Let's stand together. Thank you, Jesus. Put your hand on your hearts. In the name of Jesus, Father, give us a fresh, a fresh a confidence and anointing that we're doing the right thing. We have truth. We're not ashamed. We hold our head high. We have words to say. Priceless, valuable gift that you have given us. We thank you, Lord. We are believers. We're sold out. We are all in. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. We can give it up for the word one more time. Such an equipping word, right? Such a word that we can take with us and a, just a shift of perspective to know what really matters, what we're really grateful for and thankful for. So we hope that today just blessed you and we will see you this week at prayer service, at midweek service and next service bridge course. So we hope you have a great Sunday. We're gonna speak this bridge declaration together and then be dismissed. So say it with me. Say, I am a bridge builder. This is my season of favor. I am blessed to live my best. I will choose to love him first. I will worship fully, love deeply, and my community will thrive because I am praying for it. I am a carrier of peace. I will represent God's gentleness to myself and others. I will live out his gospel. I am blessed to live my best because I am a bridge builder. We're so glad you joined us today. If you made a spiritual decision, whether that was dedicating your life to Christ or rededicating your life to Christ, send us an email at info at and let us know you made that spiritual decision. Also, if you're joining our Bridge Church family online for the first time, 
we have a very special gift for you. Send us an email at info at wearebridge.church to share some information on where we can send you that gift. We're so glad you joined us today, and we can't wait to see you soon. Be sure to stay connected, because we're so much better. Together. Together.